All right, good morning, good morning, RCC family. Good morning. So nice to see you all. You guys look beautiful. And good morning to everyone who is watching on our live stream. We are so happy that you are joining us this way. If you already saw in the chat, we are doing communion this morning, so make sure you grab your juice and your crackers, and we're going to do that at the end of the service. So today is Family Sunday, one of my favorite Sundays, which means you'll see lots of different people in our service this morning in a little different flow. So this morning, we're going to do our psalm, and our psalm comes from the Psalm 23rd, and Nava Turner is going to be reading it for us this morning. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He lets me rest in the grassy meadows. He leads me to the restful waters. He keeps me alive. He guides me in the proper paths for the sake of his good name. Even when I walk through the darkest valleys, I fear no danger because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me. You set a table for me right in front of my enemies. You bathe my head in oil. My cup is so full it spills over. Yes, goodness and faithful love. You're per- you pursue me. You will pursue me with all of my days of my life. And I will live in the Lord's house as long as I live. There's something special about hearing the word of God through the voice of children. And the faith they have that we get to emulate. So if you want to bow your heads with me this morning, we're just going to open up in prayer. Ah, God, we just thank you that you're good. We thank you that you're here with us this morning, that you're not a God that we have to chase down, that you are just always present by our side. And so God, as we just think over the words of the psalmist David that you are our shepherd and in you we have everything that we need God remind us of what is essential bring to our mind your goodness in all the ways that you are sustaining us and when we begin to strive for more and overwork God lead us to still waters walk with us through the trials and the deep valleys of our life in the darkness and protect us. May your rod and your staff comfort us. God, we thank you that you are a God that is all about reconciliation. That you didn't just come to save one kind of people. That you came to redeem us all. So God, as you begin to make banquet tables with our enemies, may they no longer look like our enemies. May we trade foe for friend, an enemy for brother. May we all be one as you, the Father, and the Holy Spirit are one. God, we thank you that you are blessing us and blessing us still that our cup overflows. May we worship and serve this morning from an already filled cup. And God, I pray for anyone under the sound of my voice that those words feel hard to reach this morning. That they don't feel like they're by still waters. That they feel like the world is against them or that they have nothing to pour out from. You are a good shepherd and be with them still. 
what this verse says that you are to them, God. And may they know without a doubt that it is you that is their sustainer. And in your holy name we pray, and excitedly we exclaim, stand with me for prayers of the people this morning. We pray for the universal church, its member, and its mission. We pray specifically for the increased persecution as of 2020 and for Chinese Christians. We pray specifically for those who are living in Palma who are being um, persecuted by Islamic extremists. For um, Islamic leaders and Iran and Iraq who are converting to Christianity and experiencing immense persecution. God, we just pray for everyone named and not named in the persecuted church around the world. We take this moment and we intercede on their behalf. God, I pray that you would bring comfort to them. I pray that you'd bring uh, protection to them. I pray that their faith would be encouraged and spurred on by the prayers of the people in this room. That we would join in with the angels. God, would you lavish your love over them? Would you give them their basic needs? Would you give them a safe place to live and to be fed? Would you mobilize the church in every area to be your hands and your feet? And would you turn the hearts of the persecutors towards you? Would you soften their hearts? That salvation would explode across the globe so that every tongue would confess and every knee would bow. We stand with the persecuted church. We stand for every believer that is having to hide their faith out of fear. And we pray for you and with you. Lord, hear our prayer. You hear us calling. You hear us calling. Abba, Father. Yeah. We pray for the hospital in India that had a fire that killed over 80 patients, excuse me, in Baghdad that killed over 80 patients. We pray for the hospitals in India that are being crippled by COVID right now, with a healthcare system that simply cannot handle the spike. God, would you empower every nation that is able to send help to do so? Would we care for our neighboring countries and for our neighboring cities well? May we with all humility approach this in a global unified sense that we would work together to bring this to an end. Would you give comfort to the doctors and the nurses who are working tirelessly and seeing so much death and so much trauma? Would you love them? Would you even empower the church in India to know how to love the 
the healthcare workers well, to know how to love the patients well. God, would your mercy come? Lord, hear our prayer. Only you hear us calling, you hear us calling, Abba, Father. welfare of Smyrna and Cobb County. We pray for the six that were killed in the I-85 crash recently. God, would you be with the families who have lost loved ones in that van, in that cargo bus? God, would you just love them well? God, that they would know your presence and your nearness. May they be surrounded by people that enter into their sorrow and their grief and hold them up when they feel like they cannot hold themselves up. We pray um, for the masters. We pray for Brennan right now as he's sitting in a hospital room. Born 12 weeks early, God, would you just strengthen and empower his little body? you attach every tendon and muscle and organ that it would function as you created it to function that he would blow past every milestone that he would shock the doctors would you bring peace and your presence to Chris and Chelsea as they sit and spend time in the NICU would you give them peace that surpasses understanding wisdom and discernment on decisions that have to be made over the coming weeks. Would your love just be evident to them? Lord, hear our prayer. who suffer in it. We pray for Katie Sullivan as she was diagnosed with breast cancer about a month ago. We thank you for the ways that you have already showed up and intervened in the good reports that she's gotten. Would you give her and Dan peace as they begin to take steps towards walking her towards healing, ridding her body of cancer. God, I thank you that it's isolated and that she got good reports and we just continue, that she would continue to get good news, that she would have favor every step of the way and that she would have peace every step of the way. That our body, the River City community would love them well in this next season. We pray for Jonathan Godby and his family as they lost his mother this, week, this past weekend. They grieve and mourn the loss, God. Would you just surround them? May they know that you are Emmanuel, God, with us, where they know that you are with them. 
pray for Brenda's parents, her dad who's battling cancer, and her mom where there's concern of cancer yet again. Would you be with them and hold them up as they are weary and tired? We pray for Bethany and Nathan as they are facing hard decisions and seeking wisdom and counsel is what is next best thing for them and for the employees at Kefi. And if investors are the next best thing, would you send the right investors? And if not, would you supernaturally provide next steps for every family and every employee, including the McFarlands who are impacted by this? Be near to their heavy and burdened hearts. And lastly, we pray for River City and this building and going forward and where we are supposed to be. God, would you have us be exactly where you want us to be, whether it's continuing to be in this building, if it's changing what it looks like being in this building, or if it's another, may we be postured over and open-handed for you to put us wherever it is best for us to be used for your kingdom and for your good in the city of Smyrna. Sunday, River City Church. Um, today is Family Sunday. We want our ceiling to be our children's floor. We want them to know that they are part of the body, that they are loved, that they are important. And Family Sunday is just one way of helping remind them that they belong. They belong with us, just like every one of us belongs and is part of the body. They too are part of that body. So we welcome them into service on Sunday, Family Sunday mornings. So, children, I have a blessing for you this morning, going with all the things that we've been learning this month. We've been learning that God is everywhere, so we look for him, because what we train our eyes to look for, that's what we see. Um, So, kids, wherever you guys are, if you're at home, if you're here in the room, just put out your hands like you're going to get a big gift from God. Are you listening? I see some eyes. Good job, boys and girls. Thank you. All right. I bless your eyes to be opened to see God all around you. I bless your ears to hear God everywhere you go. I bless your adventurous spirit to seek God in new places and find him. And I also bless you to find him in the everyday things of your normal routine. So Lord, would you just help us to see you everywhere? Please remind us to look for you. 
let us see glimpses of you in nature, in others, in ourselves, in the midst of crazy times and in the quiet, when we're lonely and we're in, when we're in the midst of friends, when we're sad and when we're glad. Thank you that you are always there for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, 1054. It's a good day. It's a good Sunday. Can I get an amen? amen? Thank you for the worship from the crew of people that was up here. Was this your first time, Maddie? Give it up for Maddie. Really, really enjoyed worship today. Um, good to see you all. Good to be with you on a Sunday. Looked like it wasn't going to be a good Sunday in terms of the weather. Now it's a good Sunday. So we're going to enjoy the weather today. Um, one quick thing about an announcement. We are having church in here as usual next week. It'll just be abbreviated, and then we'll head down into the parking lot. So those that come early for normal service, come enjoy. And those that don't typically come inside, you can come and meet out in the parking lot. It'll be great. It's going to be awesome. Also, we're talking about a date to do a mask-optional environment closer to the end of May, um, which gives everyone time to get the vaccine if they would desire that. And so that'll be coming in the future. So those that have questions about that, I know a lot of people are having discussions about it. We're still kind of walking through what that would look like for today. Thank you for being here. Everyone say, Amen. Amen. Everyone say, Alleluia. Or Hallelujah. You can choose. Are you more of a Hallelujah or an Hallelujah? You know? I don't know why we say different ones. You probably do. Craig's like, I know the reason for that. No? Okay. It's like, Amen. Amen? All right. So, so jumping into continuation. We've been focusing on this, which is equipping the saints, which comes from the book of Ephesians, which we've been traveling through. I've loved the book of Ephesians. I had a friend of mine, a mentor really come last week, Dr. Johns, and share on a passage from chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, specifically talking about the Ephesian church and how this was a church that Paul was trying to remind, remember who you are as I've planted you in this city. Because the culture was so strong, like it is now, in the church at Ephesus, the city was a metropolis, it was a bustling city, there was a lot of things that was kind of permeating the church because culture does that, sometimes in good ways, sometimes in not so good ways, and the things that were, were greed and sensuality and sexuality, even um, just lots of things. And so Paul is writing this letter to remind these people of who they are. Their culture is of a different world, the culture of the kingdom. And they're not to be set up opposed to everything. They're to be embodying what it looks like to be the church. That's enjoyable sounding to me. When I think about what God wants us to be, I get excited about living out the gospel, to be a gospel people. So our culture, there's a couple things I just want to touch on about our culture because she hit on this really well last week. I don't think it's the usual suspects as we've learned through our history in church that typically are the true structures that impede us from embodying the gospel. I think there's the typical usual suspects as you grow through church that you kind of hear, you know, don't drink, don't smoke, don't curse, don't watch HBO, um, don't, all of it, don't dance, you know, leave room for the Holy Spirit, amen, at camp, if you've ever been to a camp, right? 
think my wife had to wear a full jean outfit to swim when she was growing up. It was a jean bathing suit. She was from Pentecostal holiness. No? I'm just embellishing. Just dabbling. I don't know what you said, but it was probably funny. So, but I think the typical culprits are deeper than that. I think they're more like the trust structures we mentioned last year. I think they're things like individualism, consumerism. I think it's things like busyness. And if I have to lay into one, because I've seen it so clearly in the last three months with my group, it's busyness. If I have to say one thing that keeps us mostly from God, it's busyness. Recently, I was with a bunch of pastor friends of mine, and we were sitting around talking like you normally do, and I'm, I'm gifted with a group of pastor friends where we don't actually say things like, how many people are coming to your church? And it's awesome. We just talk. We just, how you doing? How you doing? But there was this tone, and that's what we all hear when people start talking about what they've been doing. Well, you know, what do we say when people ask us how we've been doing? Who's said that they've been busy in the past year? Raise your hand. Who is too busy to raise their hand right now? <laughs> Amen. So, so I've seen this in our group, because in our group, Equipping the Saints, we've been kind of running through some of the practices, and the ones we focus on are things like silence and solitude, things like Sabbath. And it's interesting to me when we start to talk about imp- implementing a Sabbath in our lives, which is a gift. And it's actually one of the three things God blesses from the beginning. Animals, people, and Sabbath, because all of those things have the ability to produce life right? It's, it's the earliest listed, and I'm just basically regurgitating a podcast we all listened to this week, but it's the earliest listed of the disciplines. It's actually one of the commandments, honor the Sabbath. But it's interesting that in our group, when we start to talk about implementing a Sabbath, I know that everyone is thinking, I'm not going to implement a Sabbath. So our conversation went from how, we, how do we do this to why do we think we cannot do this? It's larger than just don't drink, don't cuss, don't smoke. It's deeper. It's, it permeates more of us. And then when we enter the church, we try and impose those same principles on the way that we do our Christianity. We'll just do more, right? We'll accomplish more. There is more. We can do it quicker. We're just imposing upon Christianity the rules of our culture. What if God's intention was a walk or a journey and not a full-out sprint until you die? What if it looks like being formed over time? What can God do with the whole life? Not just in a moment. That's what I'm going after. That's what I desire. And so really, it's all about spiritual formation. I want to read you a quote about spiritual formation that I'm going to pull up from my computer, which I'm going to have to hold because it can't sit on that. So bear with me for a moment as I find this. Formation is a word enjoying currency in both the church and the seminary. Raise your hand if you've heard this phrase, spiritual formation, or just formation. Raise your hand. If you've been a part of our church for any period of time, you've started to hear this. It's almost kind of replaced the idea of discipleship, and I like the depth that it brings. So, back to this. It is usually paired with the word spiritual to describe a way to live, move, and have our being within a Christian identity. It tries to catch the idea that conversion is a lifelong endeavor for both the individuals and the communities that call Jesus Christ sovereign. You can find spiritual formation now in job descriptions in some ministries, in the church's programs or retreats or adult education, and even in curriculums of theological schools. Some lift an eyebrow of suspicion 
when the word appears in conversations. Spiritual, what? I've been a part of conversations like this about living the Christian life. The fear is a return to quietism, equivalent to whatever in the religious life, and therefore empty of accountability or ethical merit in the public square. Many fear that in all the push towards formation, the church is in retreat, all right, but in flight from its responsibilities to offer a prophetic word in the marketplace. But for others, and you can pull up this quote, Bill. I didn't want to put all that on there because that's just a lot. There's a lot of stuff. Spiritual formation describes an integrated religious life with balance between contemplation and action, firmly rooted in God's vision for all humanity, and particularly for those who are in Christ, to retrieve this deeper, richer set of meanings for this popular but potentially vacuous construct. The preacher is on the lookout for those biblical texts that will give spiritual formation depth, shape, and definition. You can find it in this brief exhortation from Ephesians that you'll hear today. For one to be spiritually formed as a Christian believer, one is to be mature in one's faith and be concerned about developing character as a human being. Claiming oneself to be formed or mature is the heights of hubris. Or what's another word for hubris? Pride. Who knew that? Who had to Google that this week just to make sure they knew it? Just a heads up. Amen. All right. Let me just catch back up to where is it. So we think ourselves as being in the process of or on a journey towards maturity. Think of these few verses as a signpost on the path that provides a spiritual direction. I love that. And I love how it frames what we've been going after in equipping the saints. That we would see the whole body move from particular moments where they're focused on Christ to the cruciform life or the Christ-filled life. That's what I'm after That's my goal. So this text gives particular depth to that, but it does a couple things that I want you to be aware of. And I'll go ahead and warn you for next week's passage. I'm just warning you for next week's passage. That's all I'm saying. Read it as you will. This week, it doesn't really pull anything back in terms of how it challenges. There's a song by Jonathan Ogden that has become one of my top five songs in the past five years. And one of the lines is, I never went hide and seek because you're so good at finding me. Talking about how God is in pursuit. And this passage particularly brings a set of clanky boots into the conversation and basically puts it out there and says, you cannot behave this way. We don't like that kind of straight-at-you kind of conviction talk anymore, and that's because of secularism, pluralism, and individualism. We don't like to hear specifically about commitment and community and what's required of that. We would just rather get what we enjoy from church, give me more of what I enjoy, and let me be on my way. But as soon as somebody steps in and says, hey, you're harming yourself, you're harming the community, you're harming your family, it becomes a lot more awkward. This is one of those awkward texts, and I hope it, it lands awkwardly in some ways because... I think it's important. I'm going to read you Ephesians 5, 10 through 21. You can open that in your own Bible. Some of this is picking up from where Dr. John's left off. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible 
is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine. Can I get an amen on this? The land of Christianity is like, well, you know. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray for a moment. Jesus, wake us, appeal to our hearts, and allow us to sense the invitation. You're good. You desire to lead us as a shepherd leads his sheep. Awaken us. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. So this is a continuation of this idea of old to new that we've already been walking through. This idea of the children of disobedience or the children of light, which is interesting. Those two, I don't necessarily think of those as like opposites. Old, new, I get that. The children of disobedience and the children of life. That, light, that seems like two different things. But it continues that kind of language. It even kind of gets apocalyptic here. And maybe raises some suspicion to what it's saying, but it clearly starts off with a very simple challenge that all of us, hey, Don, how are you? Good to see you. Been about a year and a half. Awesome. Uh, just stuck his head over. Like, okay. Here's the, here's the plea. Don't be a fool. So this is the thing about that. It says, be wise and have wisdom. Don't be a fool. Being a fool is not something anybody wants to be. I don't know anybody that desires that. It's very simple. We all desire to be wise. In fact, a lot of people desire to be wise and aren't wise yet. You can notice this in conversations like I have where people explain to you that they have the gift of wisdom, which I think means that they don't have the gift of wisdom. I've heard that so many times. I, I don't understand why it's, but I do. People want wisdom. People want to know, right? People want to be like Solomon. I, I make the best decision with what I have, right? People desire wisdom because to be foolish or to be a fool or act a fool is not desirable. Most of us do foolish things, right? But this frames it because the days are evil. And everybody in my original church that I grew up in is like, amen, because those days are evil, you know, and we just, it's getting even more evil. As far as I'm concerned, it's only going to be evil from here on out. And this isn't helpful, right? The days have always been evil in the ways that the church needs the prayers of the people. So if you want to know why we pray the prayers of the people, because that's the cultural reality on earth. Those are the realities what we heard today. The churches that burned up, the people in the hospital, that Jonathan Godsby's mom is now dancing in heaven, right? These are the realities 
These, this is our present reality. Because the days are evil, right? Because the days are evil, be reminded, church, why you're here. You're not here to boycott something. You're not just here to tell people the things that are bad. You're here as children of light. And so make every moment count. This frames wisdom as good usage of time. So, so when you frame wisdom not just as thoughts to have precisely ordered and as a good usage of time, it lands more squarely on the American church. It lands more squarely on how we spend our time. Why can we not Sabbath? Why is it laughable when we're asked to Sabbath? Why do we sit around and talk about how busy we are but secretly feel pride about how busy we are? Because we think in that scurry and hurry we have worth. Make every effort to make the most of your time because the days are evil. Because the days are focused on individualism. Because the days are focused on consumerism. Because the days are focused on being busy for value. Make every effort to be wise. Don't act a fool. Do you want to know what a fool is? Somebody that's too busy. Let's, let's, do, let's do ourselves a favor. The next time we're in conversations where somebody's like, yeah, got a lot going on, a little too busy, be like, stop being busy. It's not impressive. You're not better than everybody here because you're busy. I'm not better than you because I'm busy. I'm not better than you because I don't know how to manage my own calendar and I can't be present in a conversation. I'm not better than you because I can't spend time with my own family. I'm not more worth it in the kingdom of God because I don't love the people in real time and I continue to churn out results, not even knowing what I'm really going after. That's the most interesting thing I'm finding in our group is that when we start to label why we won't Sabbath, there's not a good reason. It's not like, well, because I just love, I have this deep desire to love Jesus, that I'll just run rampant my own health to make a little more money. Why? <laughs> What's the reason? There's not even a good reason. Because we live in a culture that's permeating the church and telling us to have value, you have to do more and more and more. So maybe don't drink and smoke. But also, look at the deeper thing. If you're too busy, it's not cool. Doesn't mean you're better. We just need to repent. And the church needs to repent because we've been good at being too busy. And we're supposed to be the light on a hill, which goes at the speed of Jesus and all of us have seen Joseph now. We notice that Jesus takes time. Amen? If you haven't seen Chosen, see Chosen. That's, I mean, that's, that's your goal for today. Just go watch it. Because the days are evil. Make the most of your time. Redeem the time. Participate in building the body of Christ. Don't be foolish, but understand the will of God. And here's a point I just have to make. It doesn't give this discernible clarity about how to find the will of God. It just assumes that people who would make the most of their time, will find the will of God. I believe we have the hardest time finding the will. I'm about to like preach. I believe we have the hardest time finding the will of God when we place upon it our culture's will. So if your desire for the will of God is to get more for your life, you're gonna have a hard time finding it. If your desire for the will of God means you're running yourself ragged, you're gonna have a hard time finding it. If your desire for the will of God is about you and you alone, you're gonna have a hard time finding it. You don't need another class on the will of God. 
you need to pause your pace and be still at the feet of Jesus because he just says, know the will of God. It's not as actually as hard and, and when we take off what we're applying on it. That's, that's what he's saying here. That's good stuff to me. Don't be foolish, but understand the will of God. Paul rejects the wisdom of the world, but not like when we were kids and we heard how bad the world is, right? Be separate from the world. No, we, we're lights in the world, hopefully permeating the world. But I love the language of Proverbs 8, 1 through 11. I'm going to read it to you twice. The first in ESV. Do you have this, Bill? Just, just run with me for a minute. Because Lady Wisdom leads us to the presence of the Spirit, right? And this is saying, be wise. So let's, let's hear what the, the, the Proverbs say about it. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Besides the gate in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries aloud, to you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. There's emphasis here from wisdom. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Here, for I speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver. There's so much there. And knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels. And all that may desire cannot compare with it. And if you just can't understand that and you just want a devotional version of this, we will read it from the message version because it's awesome. Do you have this as well, Bill? No, no? Oh, that's it. It's right there, <laughs> calling out to me. Do you hear Lady Wisdom calling? Can you hear Madam Insight raising her voice? She's taking her stand at First in Maine, at Busy and Busy, at the busiest intersection, right in the city square where the traffic is thickest. She shouts, you, I'm talking to all of you, everyone out there on the streets. Listen, you idiots. Is that not the best Eugene Peterson translation in all of the Bible. <laughs> Listen, you idiots. Learn good sense. You blockheads. Yes. I don't know why it's so fun to read. Shape up. Don't miss a word of this. I'm telling you how to live well. I'm telling you how to live at your best. My mouth chews and savors and relishes truth. I can't stand the taste of evil. You'll only hear true and right words from my mouth. Not one syllable will be twisted or skewed. You'll recognize this as truth. You with open minds, truth, ready minds will see it at once. Prefer my life. Disciplines over chasing after money. There it is right there. Disciplines over chasing after money. And God knowledge over a lucrative career. Eugene is throwing blows right now. For wisdom is better than all the trappings of wealth. Nothing you could wish for holds a candle to her. Man, the mark of wisdom is using your time wisely. Don't dull it, and here we go, just for a moment, with drunkenness. 
While I do believe there is merit to speaking just simply on drunkenness and seeing the devastation that it has on families and generations and people, I have witnessed it, I have experienced it, I believe the meaning is even deeper here. There's a way to be asleep and be sedated because the days are evil, it's just easier to not deal with it. It's just easier to not look in the face the prayers of the people. It's just easier to not see the racial tension, the racial reconciliation needed, the abuses, the systemic abuses, than to look it in the face. It's just easier to not deal with why I can't be intimate in relationships. It's just easier to sedate myself and be drunk. And for some of us, that's actual drunkenness. And for others, we can be drunk by many things. But the idea is that wasting time is like being drunk. And the church has no more time to waste their time. We have got to wake up. We have got to not be drunk. We have got to see things rightly. Lady Wisdom calls in the streets offering the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And I love so much. I'm going to read you this quote real quick, though, if you have the next one. The times are so urgent, so pregnant with possibilities for redemption and transformation that the church cannot afford to miss its vocation. That is the key to the church acting wisely. When the church is acting contrary to its vocation, it's acting a fool. That's my translation. When the church is out of touch with its vocation, it moves through these evil times as one who is intoxicated. Satiated and reeling, satiated and reeling, engaging in regrettable behaviors. Do we know any churches that have engaged in regrettable behaviors? Do we know how we have as well? It's easy to point at a church and exempt ourselves from how we've been a part of that, but we have also... Not just these churches we see on CNN and Fox News. We've also been implicit in these same kind of behaviors, all of us. If a request for spiritual formation and maturity in the church displays a desire for balance and integration, drunkenness is the condition of being unfocused, off balance, and out of kilter with what God wants for you. Dude. So how would we fill in the blank? The church's vocation is blank. Imagine the church's vocation as a great series of interpretive images set in the stained glass and put on display. Within that display, we see an image found in its little blip of a text from Ephesians. Here is the church filled with the Spirit, and what does that look like? A group of folks like you and me on the path toward formation and maturity, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs that rise out of the grateful. A little bit of a shift. So what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? While I would say the Spirit has the power to invade your life and space like you cannot imagine, what I believe here is a deeper meaning, a deeper, more sustainable, long-term meaning. It involves things not like going to seminary, even though I think we all should go to seminary. Just hear me say our minds are important, and it's not enough to just move on emotion in the church. So our minds need to be sharpened. We need to understand the words. We need to understand what we believe. We need to know what Christ means. But this is speaking about what to do to offset the state of drunkenness. It's telling us, again, be filled with the Spirit as if it's not something we have to freak out about doing. It's an offering to those who make space of their time correctly. Be filled. This is not for you to... You're not, this is not a frenzy for the next 10 years to figure out the right conference to attend to get filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the off, this is what happens for this group of people. Be filled with the Spirit and sing songs together. 
So while we do need to develop our minds, one of the ways in which we equip the saints most beneficially are singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs together. I wish I could be in the rooms in the first century when this church at Ephesus started singing these songs and just hear the ruggedness and the people who couldn't sing and and how they had to figure out what, what should we put to song and how they had these stories that would circulate in communities that were too important. So important that they needed more, so they put them to a tune, right? And then they remembered the songs that they sang of ascension, the songs of the Psalms from the Old Testament, and then they brought those into that new community and context start to be built for the whole story of God through these songs, and then they sang spiritual songs. And you don't know exactly what that means, but I know they're singing from their heart, and some of them are singing in a prayer language, and some of them are singing in a language that's uncomfortable to some, but it's from the heart, and it's good and beautiful, and it's a good thing. And they're in a house in a hut and there's 10 of them. They don't have a professional Becca who's, I mean, we're so gifted with Becca and all of our, like, like God's like, I really want y'all to worship. And I'm going to bring like one of the best worship groups ever. And these guys are sitting around and there's like a lady that doesn't know how to sing, like tapping her foot wrong. And they're just, let's sing the Psalms. Okay. We need to be reminded of how important this is. Let's sing a hymn. Okay. What's the hymn? Let's Look at these. What are they? Let's sing a spiritual song. What do you even mean, Paul? How do we sing a spiritual song? Sing from your heart. Right? Sing from your heart. The depth of what was happening is what he's asking from us. Worship is a principle means by which the Spirit of God transforms us. These three avenues, these three ways to sing are channels in which we experience the transforming power of God. And I'll say this about all of worship. So so worship is song, but it's so much more. Worship redeems time. It so this is this could be the most like provocative thing I say. But worship redeems. There's never a time you will be worshiping and you'll be like, I just I just wasted my time. There's that's not going to happen because when you decide to worship, time is redeemed. You are reoriented to what matters. And it's almost like making a play on these like drunken songs we sing of inebriation where we just would rather be away from the reality so we sing the songs in the pubs. I don't remember the name of the pub when I was in college in Chattanooga. It was an Irish pub and we would literally sing songs while drinking Guinness. And this is so much better than that. This is so much better than that. To sing with the people of God and be reminded of those core truths that carry this body. Hymns. Hymns are my favorite. Right? I like the new songs, but they are more of prayers to me. They're more intercession. They're more prayers of the people. They're more personalized. There's a little bit too much personal in some of our worship. There's a little bit too much me in some of our worship. Hymns are corporate, right? This is about a corporate group coming together and all singing together. And it can be the simplest. I, don't, I think I was talking to Jordan Hamilton about this. The songs that last through time, just think about how simple the words, but profound. Our God is an awesome God. If you don't like that song, you're not even a real, you're not even human. You might just check your pulse, right? Like the, the doxology, praise God from whom all, that's just a thing somebody says, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Right? That's, when we sing that together, I feel closer in community to, in God than any other time, thing we do as a community right now. Anything. These are, 
the ways in which we step in and worship redeems and reorients times. So it's not really just about don't do these things here. It's about you have got to guard the things that foster this depth that has to come. And the depth has to come to the body. The depth has to come to you and me. And the depth is spiritual formation, and that does not happen in a one-off, and then all is good. We would rather just hear God say yes or no and move on. But God is like, I'm not giving you a yes or no because I want to be with you. And that takes time. You need to see my cadence. You need to understand my rhythms. You need to hear how I speak. Be filled with the Spirit. Know my will. These are not things to spend the next 50 years focused on. Be close to God. Be in his presence. Be wise with your time because that is wisdom. Lady wisdom screams in the streets. The Ephesians are reminded you have what you need. We have... If they had what they need, they had the scriptures. They had hymns. They had psalms, and they had community. And since that time, it's been built. It's been, the tool belt has been strengthened. We've seen the things that have harmed Constantine and his ministry. We've seen the things that have helped. We understand the tool belt has passed through the generations, and now the tool belt is to us, and we're seeing the ways it's not working, and our children are asking for what's next. And they're saying, what are you going to give me? And we're saying, we're not giving you mega church culture, because that doesn't last. We will give you the practices, the community, and a desire for the Holy Spirit through Christ as the cornerstone, and those things have to be taught. When, when Jessica said, we want our kids in here, I don't know that we know how important this is because five, six, ten years from now, they are literally stepping away from here into a culture that is powerful, telling them to strive to earn everything that they need and never stop churning out work because you need to make more money and you need to save for when you're old and you need to... Why? The truth is found here and we are the ones responsible to hand those gifts to our kids. And we have things to pull from. So just wake up, you idiots. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> wake up, you idiots. You blockheads. I, is that a word people still use, blockheads? I've only, you use baskethead. Yeah, baskethead, but blockhead. Use your time more wisely. Be present with the Father as he is present with you. Achieving a ministry and not being present with the Father is not really ministry. Worship redeems time. So that means when I worship through silence and solitude and Sabbath, I actually am given time I would not have been given. The blessing of the Sabbath and saying, one of these days will remain pure and I will do things that are enjoyable and worship you, God, is because when that happens, all of the other days are blessed. When we decide we won't do that, all of the other days will not be blessed. <laughs> Simple. Wake up, blockheads. Wake up, you idiots. That's hard to say. Everybody say, wake up, you idiot. I don't appreciate that from you guys. Just kidding. All right. So prayers of the people and the doxology. So a lot of people ask us why we do prayers of the people. Why not just celebrate and do praises of the people? That's because... There's a tension we will always live in that has to be continual. The prayers of the people is where we intercede from. The doxology is where we say thank you. The prayers of the people is where our earth lives. 
And that's a good way to be reminded that we are here for their sake. So the prayers of the people is where we intercede from, but it is also where doxology begins. Gardens and graveyards for a long time look exactly the same. Doxology begins in the spaces where it looks like nothing is happening, where marriages are falling apart, where someone is in the hospital, where pandemics crush our globe. But we're moving towards being thankful in all things. So is there a way? Here's the, here's the, is there a way to live in thankfulness while in the prayers of the people? I want to read you this quote. And this will be the last quote I read for seven years. This was the season of quotes. I must confess I am no longer good at telling the difference between good things and bad things. Of course, there are many events in human history that can only be labeled as evil, of sure. Right? And I, we don't even need to nuance that. That's the truth. But from the standpoint of inner individual experience, the distinction has become blurred for me. Some things start out looking great, but wind up terribly, while other things seem bad in the beginning, but turn out to be blessings in disguise. I also feel that the dark night of the soul reveals an even deeper divine activity, a continually gracious, loving, and fundamentally protective guidance through all human experience, the good as well, the bad, as well as the bad. We don't even necessarily know how to frame what's good and bad because we don't know what God is up to. But we do know that we can be thankful in all things and in all things be thankful. I, can, I experience this when I think of my friend Sarah, um, who was a part of our church and then was, was dying um, a few years ago. And she did pass away. And she said, so we frame what's happening there as horrible, and it was painful. But if we could just get a picture of watching Sarah now dance in her father's kingdom. If we can get a picture of how good God is, even while still here. And if we can be working towards letting the people in these experiences know that God is good, that we can be thankful in all things. Is that intercession? Is it intercession? There's, that's a question for all of us to answer later. But I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now. I feel a strange urge as the emphasis of this because my urge is, wake up, you sleeper, stop being a fool. But the way that I'm called to respond is by not churning out the kind of work that I want to when I hear someone say, wake up, get moving. So there's a tension in my soul that says, I don't want to slow down and be with my father. I don't want to make the best use of my time. This is going to take the work of the Holy Spirit or it will be impossible for you. To say yes to his power and his moving means to say yes to how he wants you to live your life. He does not want you to be in the same state you are now in 10 years. If you can't label while you're, while, why you're driven the way that you are, it's time to push pause. It's time to remember your baptism. Who are you? Are you the children of light or the children of disobedience? Are you living out of that old version or are you living out of that new creation? It's time to start being with community 
and singing simple songs. You'll notice on your seat the elements. As I read this for you, after we proclaim the mystery of the faith together, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again, that's when we partake. I recognize every time we do this, people are like, do I take now or after we proclaim, that's when we take. Does that make sense to everyone? Just take a moment to say thank you to Jesus that we are alive and we are here. We are in the presence of your community and you are with us. We are given a task to live this life well. You are here with us now. On the night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread, and when he had given thanks to you, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper, he took the wine, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink of this, do this in remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of the faith that all together, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Take and eat and drink now. Lord God of our fathers, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, open our eyes to see your hand at work in the world about us. Deliver us from the presumption of coming to this table for solace only and not for strength, for pardon only and not for renewal. Let the grace of this holy communion make us one body, one spirit in Christ, that we may worthily serve the world in your name. Risen Lord, be known to us in the breaking of this bread. kind of settle into that. If you've been feeling inebriated or intoxicated by your life, if you feel offset by your schedule, you've been too busy, let's sing these songs like the Ephesians would have, right? Praise God from whom all blessings
for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.